And it's time for yet another movie mastery. Here again, I am John, and there is Jeff. I am Jeff. We are here, we are reviewing the movies that you recommend. We don't know what we're going to watch until we sit down to watch it. And this week, we randomly rolled up a laser mission. I am Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole podcast. <laughs> I am Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jeff. I am Jeff. I am Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to Groot my way through. Ah, oh, shoot. Ah, da- yeah. Damn yeah. it. Well, you know what? Groot's been lying the whole time, too. That guy can talk. He can do it. He can talk if he wants. Stupid jerk. He's just being... Plant. <laughs> That's it. He's just a jerk. That's, that's Groot's secret, Cap. He's always a jerk. He's just fucking with people. <laughs> I'm sorry. That had nothing to do with laser mission. Yeah, well, you know what? Not much has to do with laser mission. Laser mission ain't got much to do with things. I mean, do we want to save the big reveal? For, for, yeah, let's save the big reveal for the spoiler content section. Yeah. So that people who want to go and watch laser mission the i don't want to i don't want to ruin the amazing surprise for you of when it comes to laser mission so here's the two big stars of laser mission in case you're curious engelbert humperdinck it stars slut bun wallop (laughs) Uh, humpty back fisty buns (laughs) uh no beef slab chest we get uh brandon lee brandon lee in his uh, debut debut role before yeah. he was the crew yeah before he was the crow and then died yep uh so this is one of the three i think three movies that he's in yeah, yeah. uh and this is his first one and then a lady who's in tv a lot i forget her name we'll, we'll remember it we'll look it up between the breaks yeah some lady who has been on like single episodes of a ton of stuff she's gonna remind you immediately of julie brown in earth girls are easy yes when, when you see her Yes, she will. Uh, and then we've also got Ernest Borgnine. Yep, Ernest Borgnine, who I love. Ernest Borgnine's amazing. I mean, granted, he's the same character in every movie, no matter what. Like in this movie, oh he's no, he just to be... shows up and Ernest Borgnine's around. Yeah, he just—if you need a little Ernest Borgnining in your movie, you just call him up, and there he is. Except he's dead. Oh yeah. Well, gotta, I mean, it's could. basically like when you put Jack Nicholson in your movie, you're getting Jack Nicholson. That's it. Yeah. When you get or- Ernest Borgnine, he's going to show up and be Ernest Borgnine. Especially late period Jack Nicholson. Like when he got started, that that he could, you know, do a role, but I, it didn't last very long. I mean, he's just Jack Nicholson in Batman. That was. Oh yeah, he's just Jack Nicholson in face paint. That's just I hate that role. Can I can I be honest with you? He's got a couple of really good lines. But... You can be honest with me. This is a safe space. Okay. Well, then I. I don't like Jack Nicholson's Joker. Maybe that makes me the only person in the world. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of people that don't like it. I I didn't hate it. I think it was fine for the time. There's some really good lines. I mean, the the he's at home watching his tights line was hilarious. The you're my number one guy, amazing delivery. My number one. Oh, guy. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Because those are the points at which he is acting like the Joker. Yes. But the part where he's skipping around to facing an art museum to 80s pop rock. Man, it's fucking... It's so good. I don't care. That song is amazing, and Prince, Prince is amazing. Yeah. I shouldn't be calling Prince 80s pop rock. I apologize to Prince, who I also, in in a bit of honesty story time safe place, I'm not a huge Prince fan. That's, I mean, I was going to say that's okay, but it's kind of not. <laughs> I know. Most people in the world are huge Prince fans. There's a couple Prince songs I'm all right with. 
but I've never found him as crazy innovative or whatever as everyone else says. Whatever. I'll, I'll gladly agree to be the asshole in this one. Everyone else in the world loves him. I'm probably just wrong. I mean, I love Pussy Control. Oh, well, Pussy Control is amazing. It's a good song. I mean, honestly, I I really like Prince. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, sure. I am a very large Prince fan. Well, you're I mean, a- Seven? Come on. That is amazing. <laughs> Fine. All right. I, I'm with you on that. I mean... I've got no leg to stand on here. I've spent the past, like, three days obsessively living, listening to Synthwave. Yeah, so, you know, you can just shut it. It's just techno made with 80s-style sound <laughs> equipment. I actually really like that. Where's where's that Simpsons wave? Simpsons wave is also, because it's just Synthwave with stupid purple Simpsons over it. Yeah. I don't. I, I, it's the sort of thing I would happily listen to and just kind of have YouTube minimized. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's me. Anyway, laser mission. Oh, right. Any, anything, anything at all to not have to talk about laser mission. So, yeah. La- laser Brandon mission. Brandon Lee, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, Ernest Borgnine in there. Doing, he's great. Doing the saddest Russian accent in the world. No, he's doing German, which is unfortunate. <laughs> is that German? He's trying he's, to do German. He's trying to do Chekhov. Yeah, that's the problem is he's supposed to be German in the film. When he talks, you're like, are you trying to do a shitty Russian accent? Yeah, and I'm and then go- occasionally he just loses everything and is just Ernest Borgnine with nothing. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now I cannot do an Ernest Borgnine impression. So trying to get across his uh, his vocal mannerisms in this are impossible. Ernest Borgnine sounds like the world's friendliest robot frog. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's impossible to do an impression of him. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think... God, no, I don't think I could do an impression of Borgnine. No. Like, I, I really don't. So you, you know what he sounds like. Just pretend that all of his W's are V's, and you've got exactly what he thinks a German accent is. Yeah. We're going to be right back with the rest of it, but let me just fill you in on a little thing. This laser mission, terrible. Terrible. Don't bother. But, you know, spoiler mi- <laughs> spoilers or whatever. I do, I do, I do want to save the big reveal to later. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna let you, it's going to be the first thing you say after the music, isn't it? <laughs> No, I want this to be at the very end. <laughs> the very end? Okay. The very end. Yeah. I want the big reveal. Huge twist reveal coming. You coming guys got to wait until the very end of the podcast to find out what the big reveal on Laser Mission is. Yeah, you're going to have to wait at least an hour to find out that the... Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> I'm, I'm editing this. I, I don't know. care. I'm cutting that out. <laughs> I know. I was just fucking with you. All right. We'll be right back with a Laser Mission. We have returned, and now it is time to go on a journey. Come with us on a laser mission. And thank you so much to Patrick H. for recommending this on the big movie list. So, thanks, Patrick H. I am Jeff. God damn it, no. Stop. That's a bad Jeff. Jeff, sorry. (laughs) Oh, Jeff, sorry. (laughs) There's about a 50-50 chance I was going to do that or just keep singing songs from the Jungle Book at you. (laughs) Yeah, well, considering during this break you have done nothing but sing the Jungle Book at me and try to get me to listen to the worst pop songs. (laughs) Okay, first of all, no song by Paula Abdul is the worst pop song. (laughs) No, I was talking about before that. You mean when I was trying to make you listen to Jordy's Dur Dur Etra Bebe? Yeah, or Boys, Boys, Boys. Oh, yeah, by Sabrina Salermo. Those are both awesome songs. I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic music of a certain time. Yeah, and that certain time is around the time when this was made. Yeah, 1989's. 
Laser Mission, starring Brandon Lee, Ernest Borgnine, and... Debbie Moynihan! I'm pretty sure it's just Monahan, but sure. Probably. Debbie Monahan's been in three movies, of which one is this. Yep. And she's on TV all the time. I think she's been on, like, two Star Treks. Yeah, she has been on, like I was saying, just like one episode of a million different shows. Yeah, so she's a, she's a working actor. She's, she gets work. Yep, she is around. She is part of the, uh, the whole guild, yeah. if you will. Anyway, uh, Laser Mission. Laser Mission is basically like the shittiest James Bond. <laughs> Even that, I'm not sure if it's true, because you know there's that one that stars like, like uh, Sean Connery's brother? <laughs> like, actually stars Sean Connery's brother playing James Bond's brother. Huh. That might be the worst one. I forget what it's called, but it is it is so boring. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's called Laser Mission. Uh, yeah. Brandon Lee, famously uh, Sean Connery's real-life brother. Yeah, famous Doesn't for come that. up very often how Bruce Lee fathered Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, doesn't really come up all that often, it's but just, when it does... It was, you know, Bruce Lee's Scottish period, as it were. <laughs> Scottish period. Headed out, to the, headed out to the Highlands and did some recreational boning. <laughs> yeah. You know how you do when you're in the Highlands. You know everyone. <laughs> that is like a dream vacation for me. <laughs> Going little... out to the Highlands and doing recreational boning. Come on, that sounds amazing. <laughs> come on. Get some nice Highlands ladies with big old, like, meaty white legs. <laughs> I'm guessing. That's that's great. Thank you to all of our Scottish listeners. <laughs> Every one of them is agreeing with me right now. They're like, oh yeah, no, totally. Dude, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Get some red hair up on top of that. You are good to go. Uh, You've you got to love our Scottish women with their thick, white, meaty legs. <laughs> I do. I do want to love that. That sounds great. <laughs> anyway, laser mission. So laser mission that has nothing to do with Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> it stars... Brandon Lee as Michael Gold? Michael Gold is... It's weird because he's not, like... It's sort of a James Bond thing, but he's like a mercenary that the CIA just hires. He's like a professional jackass, is what it is. Oh, God, he is a smug, insufferable douchebag, which is why I was comparing him to James Bond. Yeah, no, he's he's super smug. Uh, It it opens with him on like a mission to go to a, what was it a fake island african country called zavago or zavango i don't know i mean there is i think it's kavango Kav- there is kawongo is a place but not kavango like, not kavango kavango so- i'm pretty sure is also the name of the food that cyclo- cyclos eat in uh, battlefield earth <laughs> cool so i'm pr- I, I mean I, I I mean, granted, the nerd pedant in me wants to point out that no, that's actually Kerbango. But you know what? I'm sticking with the joke. It's nutrient food. <laughs> it is. And I'm as happy as a baby on a straight diet of Kerbango. <laughs> Quote from Battlefield Earth. Do not make us watch it, please. Thank you. We've seen it. It's okay. It's well, no, it's terrible. It's it's okay. I mean it's okay in that we don't need to see it. Well, honestly, I watched it back in the college days and I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> It's like, it didn't, it wasn't the worst thing I've seen, but I was just like, all right. It's an okay movie to sleep through. There's, there is an excessive amount of slow-mo, and that's about it. And Dutch angles. Eh. It's pretty much just Dutch angles and slow-mo the movie. Yeah. Anyway, laser mission. So laser mission. <laughs> so, so he goes to this Zabango, or, I don't know, Jimmy Kuato. Jams. Yeah, Kuato. He goes to visit Kuato, the <laughs> island, and, uh, and... He, he gets right on... off the bat, one of my favorite things is he gets, he's in the airport, like he gets off the plane to go, 
and there's a little thing for customs, mm. and everyone who got off with him just walks past it and goes into the rest of the airport, and he stops at customs. Yeah, and it's only because he wants to have a smug quip conversation real quick. So he stops at customs, and they're like, are you here for business or pleasure? And, and he's he, like, can't it be both or something? God, that... The as soon as they were like business or pleasure, I'm like, oh god, he is definitely gonna do that. Oh, a little bit of both, <laughs> and he it, did. And I'm like, ah. I feel like that's the only answer anyone's allowed. That's probably why they don't actually ask that at customs. No, I have to assume having, having been through customs a few times, they just they, no oh, one's ever like business or pleasure. They're just like, so vacation. And you're like, yep. If they say anything other than like, let me see your bag. Do you have any fruit? Oh, yeah. No, when they ask you any questions, it's usually because something is taking a while to process. Yeah. They're like, oh, hold on. And then they'll just chat with you for a second. They're, they're never, they never ask what I want, which is, ah, recreational boning? <laughs> Are you here for the recreational boning festival, lad? <laughs> Toss a caber up one of our ladies' meaty legs. <laughs> You'll find no finer woman in all of Glasgow. <laughs> ah, yes, the finest Glaswegian women. <laughs> <laughs> will not be found in laser mission. mission. <laughs> so anyway, he has a dumb exchange with customs, and then in my, one of my favorite cuts in the film cuts to him walking like ashore from a long pier. Yeah. Which it makes it look because he's walking out of a door, and then it cuts immediately to him walking ashore from a long pier, which would suggest that the airport is at the end of a fishing pier. And that everything has disappeared. There's <laughs> just nothing left. Like he walks out the door, and then he's just walking on a pier, and you're like, was that... Is that like a teleporter? Is this Narnia? He, what the fuck just happened? He land in a PBY? What is? Are there flying boats landing at Zavango? Zavango. I, I love that he then like jumps over the side of it. But when we cut to the bottom part of the pier, he lands right in the middle of it. So yeah. it's like he just clipped through the earth. <laughs> it looks like he fell about ten feet and then shifted ten feet to the left and then and then kept falling. It's like someone was playing Tetris with him and they just scooted him over real fast. <laughs> they do that last second scoot. Yeah. Like the, uh, uh, the most important move in Tetris, the last second scoot. Yeah, that that last scoot and boogie. Yeah, I have a copy of a Tetris board game. Wow, and it you can't do last second scoot, which makes the game impossible. Yeah, because well, last second scoot is important to fill holes that you can access from the side. Exactly, because you you're coming down on one angle, and then you have to real quick go over to get. Yeah, it you have else. to last second scoot, yeah. and the board game is literally impossible as a result. Ah, boo! It was not a very well designed game. Anyway, so. <laughs> This is this is the mission so far. Walks down a pier, jumps off the pier for fun, because I, I'm, I feel like this is Brandon Lee's first movie, and I, and I feel like eighty percent of it is to whose dad is he he ha, or who's who his dad is. Yeah, is what we're getting reminded of. So, who his daddy is so, and where he works. So that means instead of you know going down the stairs next to the pier, he has to jump off. Yeah, for no reason because sitting on a bench near the end of the pier is Ernest Borgnine. So I'm like, oh, it would have been like. I don't know, 10 seconds longer to actually just walk to the end and go down. And then they have a nonsense-style spy conversation, except that it's more nonsensical than usual because things that are happening off-screen are important to their conversation, including, uh, you know, Brandon Lee saying, so, you must like birds. Oh, my God. The the stupidity of this conversation is amazing because he just, like, shows up and he's like, hey, what's going on? And, like, uses the character's name. And he's like, oh, not much. I'm just here. Wait a minute. How did you know my name? Yeah, Braun, by the way. Yeah. Is, you know, just to make sure that you knew that this guy's a weapon scientist, they gave him the only German weapon scientist name they could potentially think of, which was Braun. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, hey, Werner von Braun. Yeah, Werner von Braun might as well be. Yeah. But here he is, uh, exiled to some African country where he's working on laser science. And basically, the, the thing is, he keeps saying that if he has a sufficient power source and a sufficiently big enough laser that he can create a weapon that will melt people and destroy the world, sort of. It's He'll start World War III. It's a it, weapon that could start World War III. Yeah, essentially it is, I could shoot a laser so powerful that it was. it would basically be like, I could instantaneously shoot a nuke anywhere, is the power level. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he, the way he describes it specifically is, you could start World War III, or whatever. His accent is nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so... At this point, random dudes show up at the top of a pier and dart gun uh, Brandon Lee and then also Ernest Borgnine. Uh, yeah. Oh, and also there's a scene up in the beginning here where some random... It looks like the set where they filmed uh, uh, Whitney uh, Whitney Houston's early videos. <laughs> yeah, and they right have, in the background of this movie somewhere, someone's like, I want to dance with somebody. Yeah, something like that. There's that, but they just have a little tiny reception happening for, so some like announcer guy could be like, ladies and gentlemen, the world's biggest diamond. Yeah. Bigger than the hope diamond. Bigger than any diamond. (laughs) Bigger than a baby's dick. (laughs) I mean, that's not really that difficult. It's a really big baby's dick. (laughs) It's a huge baby. It's John Holmes is a baby. (laughs) Let me tell you, this baby is hung. It's a baby horse. (laughs) Did I forget to mention that? (laughs) I love this announcer character that we've got going. (laughs) I compare everything to various baby dicks. Uh, uh, sir, would you like to supersize your, your Happy Meal? Yes! Give me more fries than a baby elephant's dick! Sir, that's way too many fries. <laughs> I'm an expert! <laughs> I'm, I'm the baby dickologist. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from. None of this is in the movie. <laughs> None of this matters or has any bearing on anything. He just announces that there's a really big diamond, and then random mercenaries come in and kill everyone and take the diamond. End of that part. Yep. Just so we know that there is a huge diamond. Bigger than a baby's dick. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't know why I imagine that going across the screen with like a TM at the end. Like the more you know. Bigger than a baby's dick. TM. <laughs> By Menon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're not really going to see the diamond that much. No, the they... diamond like basically disappears at this point until the end of the movie. Yeah, and... So instead, the race is on for Dr. Braun. Yeah. Because uh, he, he tells Gold that he's like, yeah, I would go to America with you as long as, you know, I would be able to take my daughter and be free. And, you know, that way my weird, ridiculous science doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Yeah. And, and you can tell the one German word that they've managed to get Ernest Borgnine to say, which is Liebchen. Yeah. He, he just says it constantly. He's, oh, mine Liebchen. I'm happy to see you. I have an unaccented English Liebchen. Yeah, mine Liebchen. Yeah. Uh, there's our great Ernest Borgnine impression. Again, car- robot frog. He's, his voice <laughs> He's is impossible. He's the friendliest robot frog grandpa you could ever have. That's exactly what he is. Now, cartoon frog, on the other hand, I believe is Shaggy. So Shaggy sounds like a cartoon frog. Ernest oh, Borgnine. Oh, oh, oh. That Shaggy. Oh, you thought I meant Norville Shaggy Roberts? The, the, the... Yeah, I was like, what? No. He doesn't <laughs> sound like a frog at all. <laughs> he sounds like a stoner. 
But no, I meant I meant the rapper. Yeah. Or hip hop artist, I suppose, Shaggy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, moving along here. Shorter. <laughs> I love his weird voice. Oh yeah. Every time I hear a voice coming from Shaggy that's on some rap track, I'm like, you're the best, man. I love oh, you. You're so I'm so glad you decided to take up your singing career. Especially when he's just like talking normal and he's like Hey man, I'm a guy. Anyway, and you're like, what? What just happened he sings to you? Entirely from inside of his throat. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Michael Gold wakes up in prison. Um, <laughs> oh, oh the, yeah. I just, I, remember, I just remembered one of the best lines in this movie is coming up. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, a man, the guy who's going to turn out to be the bad guy of this movie, and, and I will be goddamned if I can remember what his name was. Because well, there was like. A, there's like there was four. like a Russian and a German and a uh, Cuban. Uh, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of bad guys, but the main bad guy comes it's walking like, in, and he's like, Kurtz "Hey, or something? What, what'd you say? Like Kurtz or something with a K? Let's just call him Clerps. Yeah, he's Clerps. So Clerps comes in, yeah, and, he, and he's, he's Clerps the animated series. <laughs> he's Clerps the animated series. So he comes in, and he basically kind of just taunt, taunts. Uh, gold for a little bit and he's like look at this we got a straight up old school guillotine out there oh we're We're, gonna kill you man we're gonna kill you with it he's just like make sure it's sharp bro everything everything out of this basically this movie will make you lose any level leftover 15 year old respect you had for the crow is what's gonna happen you'll be like oh i have kind of good memories of the crow and then you watch this and you're like oh no uh oh no yeah uh, anyway, he just kind of threatens him for a bit and, and I, I don't know, yells at him. and try- Well, he, he's like, oh, if you want to be let free, you're going to have to give us like $2 million. And he's like, no, I don't have that, whatever. He's mostly just interested because he knows that these guys also got brawn. Yeah. So he tries to suss out where brawn is, but that's the end of that. Eventually, the <laughs> the clerps leaves and... There's, there's some Cuban guard sitting there and he just... After the main villain leaves, he turns to Gold and just goes, Ha ha, you're getting executed, manana. Yeah, and the voice is just insane. It's like, he, he's only going to have one line in the movie. All the Cubans in this movie look like like Midwestern Illinois shoe salesmen. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, definitely, like, the main Cuban that we get later in the film is just like... He looks like Kevin Nealon. No, oh, he's he's so, like, like a... He like looks a like swarthy Don Knotts. Yeah, that's exactly. He looks like if Kevin Nealon and Don Knotts had a Mexican baby. It's. I'm sorry, a baby in Mexican brown face. Oh yeah, there's. Don't get me wrong. There is a lot of brown face that's going to happen real short here. Yeah. So that guy is the main, but this isn't the guy who's doing that. This guy has a cartoon bandito mustache, <laughs> and he only gets the one line. And boy, does he ever sell it! God, he the, milks that shit so much. Turns around, does the thing where he runs a cup back and forth across the fence, and goes. Aha! Uh-huh. They are going to cut off your head, manana. <laughs> so good. I fucking love it so and then, much. Exuent, stage left from Never the film. Never to be seen again. Yeah, he gets in, says the best line in the movie, and leaves. Yep. Uh, uh, then Michael manages to get out just because... He just kicks a door right? Yeah. when someone's trying to close it. Yeah, it's it's someone like comes in. He goes, "Hey, back up!" And he's like, "Okay," but then he just kicks the door on him anyway. Yeah, and then he runs around killing everyone in this camp full of Cuban soldiers in uh, again in African country, which is real weird to me. I was like, "Okay, I get the Russian soldiers in Africa. That's fine." There was you know a weird part in the Cold War where there was a lot of shit going down. Sure, 
But when it was like, oh, yeah, but we just imported Cuban soldiers here, too. I'm like, what? Yeah. So, anyway, he beats up a whole bunch of people, gets his hands on a gun that apparently shoots compressed air, and uses that to knock over a bunch of people and shoot stuff and whatever, and eventually he just sort of escapes. Yeah, he kills an entire base with what is his signature fighting ability in this movie, which is just walking out in the open and hoping hoping no bullets hit him. Yes, which very, they very effective. Do. Yeah, and then his signature move is jump in the air, turn sideways, and double foot kick people. It's his only karate move, and it's what they keep making him do to remind you again that he's Bruce Lee's son. Yeah. Uh, so that, that keeps happening, and he just kills everyone in, in this prison. At least, this is the one thing I liked, was at least he managed to kick one of the guards into the guillotine and cut the guy's head off. But we don't see it. Well, no, the movie's G-rated for the most part. There's no blood in, in this. It's it's very bloodless. Everyone, bullets are invisible. Most of them don't even cause explosions. They just cause people to go, Wah! and fall over sideways. Yeah. So, so no, we don't see it, but, you know, we get to, we get to, he's like, I'm going to kick you into this guillotine. You're yeah. like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and that, in fact, is the close of the scene. The, the guillotine falling is how he ends that sequence, and then he's back in America. Yeah, because this movie is full of just smash cuts to a completely different part of the movie. It's very apparent that a lot of this movie was strictly unusable, and so they had to just cut kind of a pastiche of garbage together. Yeah, he shows up in the American embassy and he's just like, oh, they, they took him before I could get him. What are you going to do? And they're like, well, we'll pay you're, you a million dollars. You're useless, Gold, but we'll pay you a million dollars to go get that guy. You're going to need the help of his daughter. She's a badass veterinary KGB agent. I th- this, is, this is weird because specifically this bald dude, the, the kind of the heavy of the the FBI or CIA or whoever they are guys in yeah. this movie uh, is kind of a grumpy cop art stereotype. Yeah, he definitely should be standing in for, like, some cop captain somewhere. Yeah, you wrecked 20 cars, that, that kind of guy. Yeah. But in this, he's describing the daughter, and he's like, she's beautiful, she's deadly, she's KGB. That will never come up again. No, that was the weirdest. Like, I feel like we must have misheard it. But we both heard that she was KGB, and going into it, I was like, oh, that's that's a really weird thing for his daughter this to Germ- be, given that he's a German scientist? This German expatriate has a KGB daughter. That's a veterinarian. I, I think he just flubbed the line and they left it in because they didn't have a choice. Yeah, they were like, whatever, that was the only take we got. No one was paying attention when we were shooting it anyway. You're supposed to say, she's pretty KGG, <laughs> and you didn't. You didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it like that or be like, watch out for the KGB or something. But no, it was just I have implied that this daughter is KGB. Also, this yeah. does not matter. She likes to shop at KB Toys. <laughs> Remember them, the mall toy store that's at where everything's too expensive, but your kid needs to go in there. Uh, you know, you just, walk in and look at action figures or something, but they all cost like $15. It's a great place to go to find five-year-old Game Boy Color games. KB Toys, you remember that. You remember, they've got that little thing outside where a dog is yapping and then flips. Yeah, they have that round circular kiosk full of yapping uh, battery-operated dog toys. It was like a little pig that just oinks around. Yeah, just oinks around. That's pretty much what I do, too. Well, yeah. Yeah, so. You are a little pig. (laughs) I'm pretty big. (laughs) I'm I'm just, not to toot my own. You know, you could be a big pig, too. (laughs) Oi! (laughs) Not to oink my own horn or anything, but. (laughs) So, So, anyway, he gets... He gets sent back in, and in this case, they they show him jump out of an airplane. Yeah, and he 
lands right next to a Cuban military encampment. And when he jumps down, it is apparent that he is in brown face with a fake mustache doing the shittiest Cuban accent. He doesn't even... This is the weirdest thing to me because he's in a full-on colonel's uniform. Stuck halfway up a tree from because his uh, that's where his parachute landed in a full on Cuban colonel's uniform, and then he cuts himself down, lands on the ground, fishes around in his pocket, pulls out a fake mustache, and begins applying it. I assume um, because otherwise the wind from falling yeah. down there might have blown it away. But literally, two guys are looking at him while he's doing this, and um. then he walks forward, and this is going to start a theme for him in this movie. Which I guess was, they were like, well, Brandon Lee, do you know Jeet Kune Do like your dad? Are you a rad, like, are you a reasonably decent actor and also a rad martial artist? And he's like, no, but I'm, my dad's famous, so <laughs> I should Neither of those. But my dad's famous, so I should be famous. That's what they said. That's, that's what, what they told me in Hollywood. That's what Jason Smith told me. <laughs> Jaden. Jaden Smith. That's what Nicolas Cage told me. <laughs> I, you know, I've got mad respect for Nick Cage. He's like the <laughs> one famous uh, son of a celebrity that I have respect for because before he started all the shit, he, he at least changed his name. He's not yeah. Nick Coppola. He's not, he's not Charlie Sheen. Yeah. No, Charlie Sheen or either of the Smith kids or, geez, you see Kevin Smith had one of his kids in some crap movie like a few weeks ago? Yeah, you mean was, Harley Quinn Smith? Yeah, Harley Quinn Smith and whatever Johnny Depp's daughter's name is. I don't know. Together in Yoga Hosers, otherwise known as, look, if your parents are actors, you're automatically an actor. The end. Welcome to Hollywood nepotism. Yeah. Anyway, Brandon Lee's whole shtick is terrible disguises and accents. Yeah. And you can paint my face whatever color. I'm Brandon Lee. And he just goes up and just bluffs his way through. He's like, I'm a major. What did you see? Oh, uh, you fell from a tree? Slap! No, what did you see? Nothing? Right. It's not a slap either. It's like a cartoon seven well, he does, slaps. Yeah, he's like, slap, 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 slap. Slappity slap. Slap, slappity. Slip, slap, slappity slap. Like, you keep expecting the Cuban guy to be like, yeah, nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. Wise guy, yeah. Yeah, and he, like, steals their truck, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I'm going to take that truck. Okay. And this is going to introduce two ca- the Bebop and Rocksteady of the film, if you will. The the Cuban Bebop and Rocksteady of the film. Which are the uh, this goofus Kevin Nealon, Steve Buscemi-looking guy. Yeah, this, this Ohio shoe salesman motherfucker. Yeah. It no, just he- looks like someone went up to him and was like, let me just rub dirt on your face. That basically makes you Cuban, right? Yeah, yeah. He looks like dirty Kevin Nealon in brown face, kind of going like, I'm Kevin Nealon in Mayberry. What if Sheriff Andy finds me here in all this brown face? <laughs> um, and his commanding officer? Yeah. A, a short woman who kind of looks like Vasquez yeah, from, from a Aliens. a little bit. She's got that haircut and skin tone. She actually looks like she might really be a Latino person. Yeah. Uh, and, and they just shtick at each other. He's like, cause, cause she, cause he's like, did you see that? He stole our Jeep. I saw nothing. What Jeep? Slap, 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 uh, puts on his normal... No, he doesn't put on a normal outfit at this point. Because, no, he has to look like a weird beggar now. Yeah, so he dresses up like a Middle Eastern beggar for something? like a Bedouin and again, beggar? He's in Africa. Yeah. So he dresses up like a like a Middle Eastern Bedouin desert beggar. 
<laughs> just sort of to go then, find the daughter. Yeah. And, and and indeed he does. And she is a veterinarian, and we get one shot of her walking around a... Throwing a snake in a cage. Well, she's one of those movie veterinarians who just seems to be doing, like, 18 animals at once, and all of them are cool. Oh, yeah. She's, she's like, let me throw this snake in a cage. Somebody get that tiger a thing. Yeah, let's, let's step over this alligator and slap it on the tail. She's not doing what, you know, a veterinarian does, which is explaining why your, cat, why your cat's kidneys suck to a sad couple. Oh, yeah. Just not eight <laughs> hours a day. Not just sitting there looking at the giant pile of shit and barf that your dog has just left. <laughs> well, let's see. It's, I gotta do four hours of cutting off balls today, and then another four hours of telling people it's probably best to put this thing down. Yep. That's my veterinary life. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> Boy, nope. I sure am glad this happened. No, nope. Instead, her veterinary life consists of walking around with a snake, because, you know... She's exotic vet. Yeah, she's cool, exotic vet. And he begs her for money for like a split second, and then just sort of sticks at her. And then he's like, and reveals himself, just like, oh, it's, it's me. I know, I know your father. I'm here to, I'm here to get you, get you to your father. Yeah, and oh my god, okay. So she immediately gets mad. She's like, "What the hell? Why are you in all that brown face? You look. What is this soul man? You look ridiculous. It's only been five years. Did we learn nothing?" God, I wish that was the reaction. That would have been amazing. Yeah, but instead she's like, "I'll call the police. You can't pretend to be a Bedouin beggar. <laughs> That's illegal here where we are." <laughs> and then and then reveal yourself. And he's like, "Well, if you call the police, then they're going to get to your dad before I do." which I guess is supposed to be an implied threat, but really it just sounds, oh, good, I don't want him to see you. You're horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually they're like, oh, we'll meet for dinner. Yeah, which... And the reason this is important is because they meet for dinner at some restaurant, Mm -hmm. and she dresses in the most boob-revealing dress she can find. She dresses like a a John Waters prom. And uh, he's... He's in, you know, a nice suit. Yes. And then they get found out and they have to go on the run. So she's going to spend the rest of this movie traipsing through, like, the desert mm-hmm. in this dress and heels. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hilarious because she, because he's like, meet me for dinner and I'll explain everything about your father. And she's like, fine. I guess I'll meet you for dinner, although I don't want to. And then she shows up in the, yes, he's getting some tonight dress. Oh, yeah. Shows up in the, don't worry, it's a sure thing dress. Yeah. <laughs> Easy pickings dress. Might as well have had that just sewn into the side of it. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Why is she wearing that? She doesn't know him or trust him. No. I was like, man, I would have just shown up in the shit I was wearing when I was at a vet office. Just been like, fine, fucking talk. Instead of like, well, you got me here for dinner. Let's buy several drinks. I'll have a salad. Tee-hee-hee-hee. Which, what, what, what is happening? Yeah. I'm like, uh... Don't don't try and force this romance. And of course, they're also doing that like, oh, I hate you, you cad, but you're so good looking. And the whole time, all we're thinking is, wait, isn't she supposed to be KGB? Yeah, I'm just like, when is when is she going to reveal that she's like KGB and what? get some contacts or something? When's the KGB part of this? Gonna, when do they get into the fireworks factory? <laughs> uh, boy. When are they taking that gun off the wall? When does the laser mission start? <laughs> I want a laser mission. So the two of them go to, I don't even remember. Well, they get, they get chased by uh, our Cuban, Rocksteady, and Bebop. Yeah, Bebop and Rocksteady chase them for a while. And, and all the- of the rest of the army chases after them. But they're in a van that is essentially invincible. It, well, they keep parts keep falling off it, but otherwise, yeah, it's invincible. There's no bullet holes. It's yeah. just like it'll get shot enough and then a door falls off. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're playing an RPG and you're just like, 
oh, the door part lost all its HP. And we eventually realize that she's like evil can evil level driver. Like she's really good at driving. And he even asks her, where'd you learn to drive like that? And she just kind of smiles at him. And the whole time, both of us are thinking, oh, because oh, she's, she's KGB. Like, Weren't you fucking listening? Yeah. I mean, they told you she's KGB. No, they didn't. That shouldn't have been in the movie. That no, was a mistake. Sorry, that, that is not actually any part of this. Yeah. So, so she drives them around and a whole bunch of cars get flipped over or drive straight into the ocean. Yeah. Or and, like do one of those things where uh, it drives over a ramp and is going to go into the water, but driving over the ramp causes an explosion to happen, yeah. which is my favorite thing oh, it's yeah. like when oh man explode. you hit a ramp explosions <laughs> yeah cars explode for a lot of interesting reasons in films yeah you're like oh man we were on a, a mild incline <laughs> why did we put so much nitroglycerin and plungers in this car <laughs> and i mean bomb style plungers not toilet plungers but i mean also toilet I, I mean, plungers also there's some toilet plungers <laughs> also every one of them bigger than a blue whale's dick man that's a that's a big plunger. It's a real big plunger. Well, it's a baby blue whale, to be fair. Oh, okay, well, I mean, f- to be fair, to he be- is the baby dickologist. He's the baby dickologist who's just made a reappearance in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I can't remember what his voice was. I, th- I think it was kind of a Robin Leach thing. <laughs> Bigger than a whale's dick. <laughs> that's pretty much it, right? Nah. Yeah, no. Nah, you got nothing here. Okay, fine. Whatever. Uh, that's his new voice. <laughs> no, it'll keep changing. Don't I'll, worry. I'll, I'm going to stick to this one. Bigger than a whale's baby dick. That's that's the new one. Uh, he's good. evolved while we were gone. Great. He's he's reached his second form. Yeah, in the third it's form. not even his final in form. In the third form, he'll get useless because it's going to be comparisons to fantasy animals that no one knows. Ah. He'll be all like, oh, Big- baby centaur's dick. Bigger than an owl bear baby's dick. <laughs> They'll say, and people are like, what the fuck is an owl bear? What? Are, who, who? It's smaller than a rust monster's dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving forward, um, this is also an important scene for future development of Bebop and Rocksteady because they go launching into the ocean, and when they pop out of the, uh, the pier, they climb up, and uh, for some reason, uh, the female commanding officer captain character comes out with her shirt unzipped so that you've got a... Uh, a, a, a prolonged close-up wet t-shirt shot of her? Yeah. And it's apparently the first time that this goober has figured out that she is a lady. And he's yeah. like, you're not my commanding officer. You're a woman. Yeah. Uh, and that's just that's just going to be the char- their characterization going forward is she's a badass professional soldier and he keeps getting mad at her for doing soldier things. Yeah. It's like, you can't do that. You're a woman. Yeah. And, and amazingly, the arc of these characters is that at the end of the film, she will relent and let him do soldier things for her. Yeah. So just, you know, that's going to be fun. Yeah. they. So. <laughs> I was really rooting for those two crazy kids, and I'm really glad that at the end of the movie they get together. Well, this is also the point where I, my, I made my big prediction of the film, which is I hope these two have a face turn <laughs> where they end up being good guys by the end. Yeah. Anyway. Um but yeah, that close-up of the wet t-shirt shot was like, what is happening? Yeah, it that was, was real weird for was, this. Yeah. I mean, it, it was clear that she was just willing to do that, is why they put it in. Yeah. It's like, oh, you were the one person that would be willing to do this. Okay. Yeah. So there they are. There's your boobs, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Anyway, moving forward, the, the our, our main characters escape into the desert and drive around in their crappy van. And uh, what's her name? Uh, I forget what her name is in the film. She's pretending to be the Lieb Chen. But uh, yeah, Moynihan, Debbie Moynihan, basically Moynihan. said, Moynihan, a piece of toast. <laughs> uh, 
basically said, Garbanar Nar. I'll get back to this one. <laughs> Two guys with handlebar mustaches. <laughs> I'm Anson My Eyes Johnson. God damn it. That is the best episode of television ever made. <laughs> The best half hour of television ever filmed is that oh. that episode of Rick and Morty. All right, moving forward. Monahan's <laughs> like, can we go back to my house and change? Because I'm ridiculous in this stupid prom dress I decided to wear. And he's like, no. Smug, smug, smug. Oh, we couldn't go back there. They'd be waiting for us. Can we go anywhere else then? Because I have money and I could just buy a different outfit. No, I like you in your dumb prom dress. I can't wait for you to get a horrible sunburn. Yeah, God, I I just hate both of them yeah they're, they're not, both insufferable in this yeah it makes you re- root for Ru- uh bebop and rocksteady like yeah. the whole time you're like man i hope those crazy brown faced kids get some work done uh uh so they go driving around in the desert they drive into uh well they have to pass a border checkpoint full of cuban guards yeah uh but when they do they just drive through shooting at everybody they they stop for a second like i, I want to see like 50 feet away from this giant camp full of like cubans and stuff and they have a conversation about, well, do you think they could see us? Should we wait till we're under cover of night? Well, no, because no, of course we shouldn't wait till we're under cover of night. We don't have filming at night budget. Yeah. Look, I don't want to put the blue filter on the camera any more than anyone else, so yeah. let's just go. So we'll just drive through. And don't worry, this car's indestructible, and I'm the world's greatest shot. So And we'll- apparently everyone else in the universe cannot hit literally the broadside of a van with a machine gun. Yeah, so they just drive right on through, and then they drive from the fake country of Zavongo... To the real country of Namibia. Yeah. And to the actual city on the skeleton coast of Namibia, whose name escapes me. Yeah. And the they have to uh, go find where one of the main bad guys is, like, staying at a hotel or whatever. Yeah, he's like the sadist, evil tracker bad guy of, of the group. Yeah, and so that's sure- where he has to go, like, break into his place and find all the... Uh, well, like blueprints for this ridiculous laser and whatnot. Yeah, and hopefully Dr. Braun is there as well. But he trips... A, an alarm, and of course they have to run again. That's what most of this movie is, is them running around, shooting everyone, then going to a place, fucking up, and running away and shooting everyone again. Yeah. And we also have an extended sequence right about now where our main characters are walking around in the desert. Oh, and they briefly meet like some Australian, South African-voiced random dude with some camels in the desert. Oh, yeah. It's just some guy out in the middle of the desert who's like, Hi there. All right. I'll see you if I'm a camp. It's great. Pull the meal wasps, he says, and then uh, offers them like beer. And he's like, you want some Vegemite? I know you are, he says in some weird accent that's unplaceable. Uh, And they're like, how do you know who we are? Word travels fist. You're like, what? What is you're you're literally a man on a camel in a desert. Yeah. You are just out here being real weird. And I don't know how word travels fast is going to reach you. Yeah. Oh, cell phone. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah, that 1989 middle of the desert cell phone. I've got one of them camel phones. Look how cool I am. Oh, yeah. He says, hauling you out. just of- open up the hump and then the phone's in there. <laughs> Look at it. Bigger than an elephant baby's dick, he says in the third voice of that guy. He says to him, he says. He says, well, he's, he's also doing it. He's not as good. That's why he said elephant baby, which is like, what? Who? No one says that. Come on, baby now. elephants, Dick. Yes. <laughs> you didn't get your degree in baby dickology. No. <laughs> Good day. Uh, so, yeah, they just traipse around in the desert for an interminable amount of time in this movie because it's just them walking around, her complaining, him complaining. Occasionally, yeah, they- they'll be like, "Oh, we stumbled upon a ruined building in the middle of the desert, and there is." 
a soldier. A here. ninja. A, a Bedouin desert ninja is there, and he tries to shoot them with a bow and arrow and misses, and then they lose track of him, and then he yells from behind them, so they turn around and shoot him. <laughs> I love that. He, like, has them by surprise, runs out of the doorway right behind them, and then just goes, ah, and then doesn't fire or do anything, and they just kind of turn around and are like, huh, shoot him. Look at this ninja. And, and this is the point where they really lean in heavy on the Willie Scott trope for how Debbie Monaghan should, ma- should act. She's just like, Michael, my shoes. Oh, I could have at least gotten a better pair of shoes. You could have been my greatest adventurer. <laughs> I'm the reason no one wants to watch this one. <laughs> uh, the they, they get through the desert on a horse with no name. And, and occasionally one guy will show up on the nearby ridge and come towards them and get shot. That is great. Because the reason they actually do get a horse with no name is some other guy on a horse has a rifle and is just charging at them, shooting this rifle. And again, Michael Gold's big move is to get out of cover and not even like get his gun out and start shooting, just walk towards him. Yeah, just, just walking towards the guy with a gun shooting at him. Walk towards the guy until he runs out of ammo and falls off his horse in disgust. He's like, oh, he waits until he gets like 20 meters away and then finally brings his gun out and shoots him. Yeah. Just, no, oh, I guess I'm immune to bullets. I'm Michael Gold. Yeah. I feel like this movie should be a lot closer to over than it is. They get his horse. They beat up another guy. They get him. They press him for information. And at this point, they've crossed whatever that desert is in Namibia that's on the one side of the skeleton coast. And they get to the water and they get to the city that's out there. And uh, they decide to play uh, tourists, and they're like, we're here to go on safari. We're looking for that one tracker. His name is Bad Guy Name. (laughs) And they're like, oh, uh, I don't know that he's available right now, but if you want to wait, we can see. And boy, they get a room, and it's time for the mandatory love scene. Yeah, the, the thankfully not very long or interesting mandatory love scene where he just sort of slightly unzips the back of her dress, and then we, we quickly pan away. It's like, hey, so uh, we doing this? And she's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, we're in his room. I mean, we're in a hotel room. That's what happens in here. I suppose. Sure, let's do this. Unpleasant people happen to other unpleasant people in hotel rooms. <laughs> Vegas. Uh, There's gross sex here. <laughs> uh, man, that is so accurate. <laughs> That's pretty much might as well have been there. The slogan: <laughs> "What happens in Vegas is, is gross, gross sex." sex. <laughs> uh, accuracy, accuracy so, in advertising. So our uh, our amazing super secret agent has fallen asleep post coitus, but uh, our our lady, the daughter has seen the the bad guy downstairs and is like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go get that guy. Yeah, so she leaves a, a note that says she went shopping. And then, like, hot wires a car to go after yeah. whoever. Yeah, ch- and just starts chasing him. And uh, Michael wakes up, looks at the note, basically kind of goes, eh, dames, and goes back to bed. But my favorite thing about it is, when she goes to hot wire the car, the other, like, the bad guys notice her, and begin firing at the car. Yeah, so he wakes car, up from like, bullets. The car peels out, Yeah, and they drive off. He does not wake up from any of this. No, he just wakes up a few minutes later and goes, huh, dames be shopping. Yeah, he's like, I'm a super secret agent, but I will not wake up when I hear bullets 
or cars peeling out. Oh, my God. I just remember one of my favorite things from way earlier in the film, which is when uh, he's talking to the two CIA agents and he's like, he's like, well, if I'm doing this for you, I need a lot more money because it's way more dangerous than you said. You're going to double that million. And they're like, all right, we'll pay you two million. And he goes, it's not about the money. <laughs> I like Braun. I don't care about the money. He wanted to come to America and I promised him. That's like the exact arc of the conversation. You're going to pay me double. Okay, we'll pay you double. It's not about what you pay me. Yeah, I love it. It's did, the worst script ever. Did we did we uh did we make a mistake here? Yeah, we're gonna pay you double, and it's not about the money, and she's KGB. <laughs> this scene was filmed six months before the rest of the movie, and we forgot. I'm here to kill you because you killed my father, but this isn't revenge. What? Yeah, it's it's not revenge. I just don't like you. I'm not here for revenge. I'm just here to avenge my father. I'm here for a chicken sandwich with revenge sauce. <laughs> so she goes driving off. Somewhere. She gets captured. She gets cap. That's right. She gets captured and stuck with her dad. Yeah. And now it's time for Michael Gold to save the day. And we get an introduction to the bad guy at this point. And he turns out he's a torturer. And and a dirty pervo. He's a dirty pervo. He's like, torturer. ooh, let me cut part of your dress open, even though you're basically revealing everything anyway. Oh, hang on. We're missing a really major scene here, John. We're missing the raid of the guy's house where he fights the guy and pushes him off the roof. <laughs> Come on, we can't we can't get past that. So he goes to find so Gold goes to this dude's house in the middle of nowhere. For some reason he's got a bunch of tied up slaves outside. Yeah. They never get mentioned. He doesn't. He certainly doesn't rescue any of them or anything. No. He just, He's like, huh, dudes huh, in cages. Look at these black people. Wow, their, cost, their black face is way better than mine. Anyway, goodbye, mm. black people. Good day. He's, and then goes into the building where he's also immediately captured by this torturer guy who then unties him and says, like, I always feel it's fair to give a sporting chance to my captives. And then he takes him on a walking tour of his house. He's like, let me show you around my crib. Yeah. At which point they start fighting, and okay, this is the best part of the movie. Uh, they start fighting. <laughs> Eventually, the two of them jump fight off the roof of the building. Yeah, they do that wrestle maneuver when they're on a ledge of thing where they both go flying off. Yeah, we get to see them both flying through the air. We see we see uh, Michael land, and the other guy is gone from the movie. And the thing is, he lands. We then immediately like do this weird like we missed a minute of movie because it just cuts. Immediately to him standing, and a ninja is in front of him. And he's coming down some stairs nearby. There's like a nearby ninja that's coming. And there's a ninja noise that plays. It's like, pong. And, and there's a ninja. And then the ninja fight is two cut-up scenes that don't make any sense. And, and then it's over. Yeah, it's they just, like kind of swing at each other. And then he like kicks them, and then it's done. But the whole thing's done with like a whole bunch of cuts. And then that's the end of the ninja. And that torturer guy is literally gone from the movie. Yeah, it's like he... Fell off day. of the building and then just vanished into nowhere. It's like it's like when you drop something on the floor and then it's just gone. You're like, I know it went under the table. It has to be here. But nope, it's just gone. It's vanished. Yeah. It'd be like if Darth Vader was like, a hokey religion, I'll choke you. And they're like, whoa, please stop choking him. Okay, goodbye for the rest of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is a major bad guy. Yeah, this was like the second-in-command guy. Yeah. He just vanishes from the movie after this fall. Uh, so at this point, the bad guy has captured uh, Debbie Monahan, and he's got her in some random desert mine camp. Yeah, same place where he's keeping. Uh... Oh no, the, wait, the he wasn't diamond. keeping Ernest Borgnine. The other guy was. Yeah, that's right. This is where we had to rescue Ernest Borgnine. Was the ninja fight? Yeah, the ninja fight is where he gets Borgnine. So he gets Borgnine, gets him in a van or a jeep, 
and drives to this random African mine camp, which I'm not sure why the mine camp is playing into this in any way. They already have the world's biggest diamond. What are they doing here? I still have no idea. They're like, oh, yeah, we're just digging out this mine. Okay, but okay. but why? It's just like uh-huh. they had a mindset. They were like, well, we've got to end this movie somewhere. I had this cool idea for a fight in a mine and explosions and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Whatever. We don't need to explain it. All, people working in this mine, by the way, include the disgraced Bebop and Rocksteady. Yep, they who, are tied up to a pole, just hitting a rock with a hammer, doing a heavy, doing that heavy lifting, like bad guys in Robin Hood thing, where they just have to bust up big rocks. Yeah, it's it's that hard labor. I'm just hitting rocks with a sledgehammer. Yeah, and of course that that prompts uh, Kevin Nealon, uh, d- dirty Kevin Nealon, yeah, Ohio Knox, salesman. Yeah, the Ohio salesman to go. You should not be hitting a heavy rocks. You are a woman. Uh, uh, so that that's just there. They have a big old fight. They have a big old stupid people running around. There's a bazooka and a bunch of bombs type dumb fight that doesn't make any sense. Um, the bad guy is threatening to cut off Debbie Monahan's dress. Yep. And then he leaves. And the, the plan they have for, again, some reason, is they have all of these slaves that are the ones digging in this mine. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, we got what we need. We don't need the mine anymore. Uh, have all the slaves go into the mine and then blow it up. Like he's like, well, let's kill all these slaves because I guess they're witnesses to. I guess to what? First of all, he didn't dig up the world's biggest diamond. He had mercenaries steal it in the first couple minutes of the movie. So and they're like, oh, he- we saw you. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if they see you. You have a ridiculous doomsday weapon. You're probably gonna go on to like every screen and be like, "If you do not pay me one billion dollars each, I will destroy your country." But, but again, what is he doing here? He's not a miner. He's not even a mining leader. He's like a mercenary soldier guy who stole the world's biggest diamond. Did he also steal the world's biggest diamond mine in a different? No, no, because the biggest diamond mine isn't there. But what's I, he? What is he doing? I have no clue. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, it's a big stupid fight, and they have to kill this guy like three times. Yeah, and because um, uh, it's like, oh, I'm going to fight with you, and then, like, fucking Monahan has to fight him, and then he has to fight Gold, and then he gets caught in, like, a pit in the mine, and then the, he crawls out of the mine, and then the mine explodes, and then he comes out of the exploded mine, and you're like, and then just they, stop. And then they hit him with a Jeep, and oh, that's the end of it. And then, oh, gosh, the, the line where everything's done, everyone's calm. The uh, Bebop and Rocksteady did indeed have a face turn. Yeah, they the, were like, well... You know, we helping good- them is better than being with these guys. So we are good guys now. Let's let's help this Michael Gold guy out because then maybe we'll survive. Yeah, and they actually end up helping Ernest Borgnine out. Yeah, and uh, at this point, the movie's basically over. Michael Gold has the world's biggest diamond, which for all the world looks like a lucite butt plug. Yeah, like if I'm it, calling it, it anything, does. it is a lucite. It's got a flared base and everything. <laughs> And uh, Ernest Borgnine is like, oh, I just want my daughter. Liebchen. And then he presents Debbie, and he's like, who's this? This is not my daughter. My daughter is another woman who was in this movie for five seconds. And then a helicopter lands with the CIA guys and his real daughter. Yeah, and again, you know, Michael Gold looks over to Debbie Monaghan and is like, well, who the fuck are you? And she's just like, meh, I'm a liar. Eh. He's like, well, you're just a veterinarian then? Or were you pretend to be a veterinarian and hoping and I'd come along? The CIA along, guys are like, no, we sent her along. She's one of ours. She's Zephyr. Zephyr, the CIA agent. The secret CIA agent whose superpowers include not dressing for missions and <laughs> whining. Uh, yeah, but that that's why she's so good at driving and... She can shoot people is because 
She's not KGB, she's CIA. See, that's what I wanted, is at the end when they actually introduce his real daughter was for uh, Michael to whip out a gun and blast her in the head and be like, what, she's KGB? (laughs) (laughs) You said, you said she's, we can't have her here, she'll tell them where the world's best diamond is. (laughs) So. (laughs) Oh, but also there's the line where Michael Gold's playing with the diamond at the end, and he's like, I have the world's largest diamond, and Zephyr, Debbie Monaghan, goes, yes, but who is the rightful owner? And then they just have a laugh at that. Like, that's that's the... Like, as if that meant something. That's the end of the movie joke. Yeah. <laughs> Your head will be cut off manana. <laughs> Uh, and oh. then, and then that's the end of the movie. We just freeze frame on him holding that well, fucking butt plug. Don't forget that Bebop and Rocksteady steal a helicopter at the end. of That the movie. is true. They steal the CIA helicopter and just fly it around in a stunt sequence for some reason. Yeah, we don't know. And everyone's laughing at that. That's like the they're Scooby-Doo like, oh, this laugh is hilarious. <laughs> we're all trapped in the desert. <laughs> we're gonna die here. <laughs> so that's the end of the movie. And now the big spoiler reveal that I had mentioned at the beginning. There's there's no lasers. There's no laser in this laser mission. Yeah, this laser mission is laser-free. There isn't a single crappy laser special effect or laser weapon or laser pointer in general throughout the course of laser mission. There is no concentrated light at all. I'd, I'd go, go ahead and venture that there really isn't all that much of a mission either. Not really. It's just a bunch of slapdashery. Yeah, it's just jackassery in the desert, but they called it a laser it's mission. It's just smug bitches. Uh, There's less than a baby jellyfish's worth of a mi- <laughs> baby jellyfish's dick worth of a mission. Uh, the the fact that they couldn't even be asked at the very end to be like, oh, I've got this super laser and I'm trying to warm it up, or I've got a like smaller version of it, or something, mm-hmm. anything at all, to put a laser on screen for a movie that is called. Laser mission. Again, this would be just like if Star Wars uh, Episode Four had ended with them being like, well, we managed to steal the Death Star plans. Okay, well then, do we know how to blow it up? Well, no, we stole them before they built it. They don't They don't have a Death Star. Uh, we, we have a Death Star, as it turns out. The end. It <laughs> turns out. Fuck them. <laughs> so that's, that's the way this ends. No one ever gets close to anything cool. Nope. No one builds anything rad. No one has a cool laser. No one does anything cool. Ernest Borgnine gets to say some techno babble about how lasers work, which is great. And that's that's about it. That's, that's pretty the, much the the long and short of that's it. That's the extent of the lasers in laser mission. Uh so let's go ahead and do our our best and worst here on the movie. Jeff Give me your highlight in Laser Mission. Oh, I'm going to go with something we didn't mention. My favorite thing in this movie is the song Mercenary Man. (laughs) Oh, yep. So Mercenary Man is the song that's played like six times throughout the course of this film. Uh, It is by what appears to be Greek Dire Straits. Yeah, it is the lowest rent version of Dire Straits that you can get from Greece. Dire Straits is already pretty much like if a hobo found a band. (laughs) Just sort of like... Sultan's a swing. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, Juliet. Uh, I want you. Can you spare some change? I want you to spare some change. <laughs> Money for hobos. <laughs> That's, but this is even worse. This is like bad Greek accent dire straits. And they keep singing this song. He's a mercenary man. He's a mer- He's got a... Heart of gold, he's a mercenary man. The heart beats like a hammer. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's going on the edge. Yep. Like, what is happening right now? And it, it plays like 
at least five or six times. It's like once every 15 minutes, they have to go ahead and play Mercenary Man again. And I, I would have been almost okay with it if it was like, oh, every action sequence, it's Mercenary Man. But it wasn't. There was one point where they were just like driving along and nothing was happening and it was just, Mercenary Man! Yeah, it's just whenever they felt like there wasn't anyone talking for too long, they started playing Mercenary Man again. Ugh. It's almost like it was supposed to remind the movie to hurry along, like it was the Oscar hurry-up music. <laughs> it was like, and I'd also like to thank Debbie Monaghan for her... Mercenary Man. Oh, sorry, I gotta go. Okay, I gotta, uh... Thank you. Yeah, love, much love all. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's going to be my favorite part of this movie is terrible Greek dire straits. Okay. And uh, your favorite part of the film? Uh, the best thing for me is definitely going to be Ernest Borknine being incapable of having any sort of accent. Yeah, he's about as good at accents as I am. Yeah, it was amazing. Because I, when they first were talking to him, I thought he was trying to do Latin. I thought he was trying oh, yeah, to because be we Cuban. Were like, the whole time, I thought they were in Cuba for about the first 15 minutes of this movie. Oh, yeah. Given all of the like weird Cuban soldiers and all the shit going on with that, I was like, okay, they're in Cuba, and Ernest Borgnine is apparently supposed to be Cuban? Maybe, okay. Maybe he thought he was at that point, too. He's like, what, am I Cuban? All right, I'll do Cuban. Here's my Cuban. And, and like, he sort of had that kind of accent. Yeah. And then they we see him again, and then he's doing... Like a Chekhov from Star Trek accent, mm -hmm. and then at the end of the film we get him, and he's it's just revealed up. that he's supposed to be doing German, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, at that point he's basically given up, and he just sounds like he's about to tell a children's fairy tale, like he always does. Yeah, he's like, "Look, I I've got one day of shooting left. Just let me go. I just, don't care. I'm not gonna look. You didn't pay full Borg nine bucks." <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you want to buy some Borgnine bucks, <laughs> only spendable on Ernest Borgnine movies <laughs> and uh, other audio and recordings. And Borgnine paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah. Borgninery, as it were. Yeah. Uh, so that would I be... Locutus of Borgnine. <laughs> that would be mine. Uh, low point for you. I don't know if we want to say the no lasers thing. We'll just... Go ahead and blanket that for both of us. The fact that the movie has no lasers as is sort of a generic. Everyone knows that's the low point. Yes. Okay. Sure. That's a, but secondary low point for me. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna go with the extended, long, boring sequence of them walking around in a desert. Yeah, that was pretty much the most boring part of that movie. Yeah, I could take or leave that. That was very sleepy. Also, they they even meet a character who's like threatening. He's like, "Oh, I'm, I live in the desert. I know who you are and what you did. You can sleep here tonight. You're safe." And then when they wake up, he's just gone. Yeah, and they don't even give us a badly cut ninja fight or anything to explain it. They're just like, "Hey, he's gone." Also, oh well, he left his tent here. Yeah, he left a tent there and he just left. Dude, you live in the desert. You you're dead, man. Well, I, whatever. The, that which is also the movie's reaction to it. Whatever they say, and then they just walk off. Yep, that's the end of that. Not character. taking the tent with them, <laughs> and they didn't sleep in the tent either. They slept outside that night. Yeah, great, hooray! So I'm going to say that's my least favorite part. Uh, I, I would also maybe just throw it to nonsensical editing in general. But who knows? <laughs> what's what's your answer? Uh, I'm definitely going to go with that first brown face bit with the shitty mustache. Oh yeah, the I'm a Cuban colonel part. I, I'd say any part that Brandon Lee's wearing brown face is a pretty solid choice for worst part oh, of the yeah. movie. Just all of the really weird, shitty racism stuff that goes on in this. Like, just a lot of, like, the only black people in this are slaves or the occasional soldier, mm -hmm. none of them have a speaking line. Yeah, there is no black person speaking. In this movie set in two African countries, one of which is real. Yeah, and there's, like, maybe, maybe one actual, like, 
Cuban Latina person in this. Yeah, there's Vasquez. Yeah. A rock steady, as it were. Yeah. But everyone else is just like, oh, I'm running around in brown face. Yeah. And it's very obvious that that's what I'm doing. There's a lot of brown face. For a movie where they could have just made those characters Germans and it would have been fine. Yeah. Or or Russians. Or whatever the fuck. Who cares? For some reason, they decided to package Brandon Lee as an actor on his strength of impressions. And the two impressions he can do are basically, hola, amigo, I am in charge of you. Which is like, oh my god, is he... Is he actually doing that? Are that, you straight up Frito banditoing your we, way into this movie? Is that a Cheech impression? What What are you doing? What is happening? And then, and you then know, the other, other one, one being the Bedouin beggar. Yeah. Hello, Effendi. I have wares if you have coin. <laughs> just, just, what the uh, hell? What are, you, what are you doing? You need something from Kajit? <laughs> I sell magic lamps. <laughs> he might as well have said. Uh, yeah. So that's that's going to be my low point. Yeah. Just uh, like, oh, why would they package him in such a way? Why would he let himself be packaged? I think, I know that in a couple of Bruce Lee movies, he like pretends to be an exaggerated French person and stuff, mm. but Bruce Lee had, you know, a charming personality. I feel like anything we say mean about Brandon Lee is just going to draw people out of the woodwork who are like, he died, you know. You know he died. Yeah, we know. We I'm know, aware. We know he died on the side of the crow. And you know what? They finished that movie and then made two more and... <laughs> And I, I'm still sort of mad at them for all those people who are just sort of crow people and still dress up as him for Halloween every year. Yeah, those people who are like, look, I got the leotard and I sort of look like the crow. I still have long black hair because the crow. And, and this is what I do. This That's is, what I, I do. I, I identify myself with this angry, invincible ghost whose movies are boring <laughs> because he's an invincible ghost. Uh, so Here, anyway. Yeah, let's get our rating. We're each going to give it a 1 to 5. Gives it the rating out of 10. Jeff. I'm going to give this one a one and a half. Okay. And the reason I'm going to do that is I would have given this a 1 for just being boring and shitty, but there are a lot of scenes that made me laugh because of either how poorly edited they were or just because the line delivery was ridiculous. <laughs> so it's getting a half point for things like, you'll get your head cut off manana. Yeah. And and so on. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it the 1. I I mean I did laugh thoroughly at that line but yeah. that's just because it was the worst line and delivered with the most gusto. I'm just saying that this might qualify as a so bad it's good. Uh I don't know that it does. Maybe just how about the YouTube compilation? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Give the, me the best moments and maybe. The best five minutes of laser mission. No no lasers. No lasers edition. I mean, neither of us... Oh, wait, we did. That was the blanket worst thing. There yeah. are no lasers in laser mission. There are no lasers, lasers in a in laser, laser mission. mission. And the streets are paved with racism. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going to give it a one. That'll, that'll bring us to a 2.5 out of 10 for this. Ugh. So, uh, yeah, laser mission. Pretty boring, pretty terrible. There you go. I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no sir no sir don't like it <laughs> on the other hand you should find the song mercenary man yeah just go look up mercenary man it's yeah. great enjoy I, that i i forget what the name of the it's like fire something is yeah. the name yeah, of the band like Firewind or something like that but yeah basically just just greek dire straits hobos so there you go thank you so much for listening to the review uh of course you can find all of our other reviews and all of our other podcasts on systemmasterypodcast.com and, uh, of course, if you want to support us, you like what we do, uh, we've got our Patreon. You can go to System Mastery on Patreon, throw us a dollar, and uh helps us do what we do here. 
renting the worst, <laughs> shittiest movies. Yeah, my Amazon Prime queue is hilarious. God, looking at what you have put on Amazon Prime for all of your rentals is just sad. Well, because the only way I can get them to play on the Xbox in the living room is to add them to my Amazon watch list. And so my watch list is just like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's just no one should. I feel like at some point Amazon needs to send me like a friendly inquiry like, hello, are you okay? <laughs> Do you need help? You don't seem to know how to order movies. Are you Are you sure you understand what you're doing? <laughs> is your mommy or daddy home? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be perfect. Could you please verify that you're at least 18 before renting Laser Mission? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you do that, and uh, we will, of course, be back in a couple weeks with another one of these, and it will be an in-theaters, most likely. Oh yeah, do we have that next poll up? We've got the poll up. If you want to go vote, we've got April's poll for uh, what we'll go see in theaters. Good, good. I, uh, I'm basically looking at two of them. I've got, I think, five or six on there, but boy howdy, it is going to come down to two. And what are those? That's going to be the Smurfs. Or the fate of the furious. Ooh, we've I like got that two option. big contenders right now. There yeah. are a few other really weird ones that are also pretty bad. I mean, but I feel like that's going to lean on Smurfs, but goddamn, do I ever love talking about Vin Diesel? So boy, howdy! So I'm I've got my hopes up now. And considering I have seen no Fast and Furious movie, and just coming in to be like, what's this? The eighth one? Sure, I'm in the same boat. I have not seen a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> Checking out the eighth one would be perfect. So. <laughs> Again, thank you so much. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Go ahead and vote on that. But until then, you have a good one.